Welcome to Senior Moments on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Well, Sharon, we are on the air, and I'm going to try and call the first guest. Okay. Well, I have an announcement to make um, from the BC Summer Games. So we're we're going to have the Summer Games here in July this year. And uh, tomorrow, um, Prince George 2022 BC Summer Games President Rene McCloskey will unveil the brand identity, story, and merchandise for the July event in Prince George. There'll be an unveiling of the official branding for the Prince George Games when... Wednesday, February 2nd at 11.45 a.m., and there will be a media scrum to follow at 12 noon, where tune in live through the BC Games Facebook page. Now, I'm going to say this very slowly because there's so much. It's H-T-T-P-S two dot dot on top of each other. I forget what we call it slash slash www.facebook.com slash BC Game Society. Go on that site and uh, you'll see um, the branding. And the why? Well, with the BC Summer Games only 169 days away, the host society is eager to unveil the official local brand and merchandise for the provincial event in July 2022. The media contact person is Allison Gorley-Kramer. She's the director of marketing, uh, Prince George 2022 BC Summer Games, and her phone number is 250-961-5366. I'll give you that site again. H-T-T-P-S. I can't remember why. I know commas, and but this is the two dots, one on top of each other. And then slash, slash, www.facebook.com slash BC Game Society. Go on that website and uh, tomorrow and have a look at uh, the merchandise, and uh, and we're we're going to need lots of volunteers, and uh, we're organizing that right now. I've um, registered myself as a volunteer. Uh, I think uh, if you remember the Winter Games, uh, they they were um, national. This is this is provincial. But um, it was so exciting to have um, youth from all over Canada come to Prince George and participate in the Winter Games. And I, I volunteered there as well. And it was so interesting for them to come from Quebec and Halifax and, and, and um, it was, it was real exciting anyway. Um, I think the the races were up in uh, Fort St. John, I think. Anyway, um, I don't know why our first guest hasn't called in. I sent him a, um, maybe try some of those other numbers, uh, Judy. 
All of them, okay. And kept getting, uh, and kept getting uh, put one in front of the number, so mm-hmm. I did, but they're not nobody available at the moment, so okay. to leave a message. So our first guest uh, is Ellis Ross, and he's uh, running um, to be the leader, the leadership of the uh, of the Liberal Party. Uh, he has, in the past, he was the official opposition critic uh, for the environment and climate change strategy. And he was also the official opposition critic for LNG and uh, resource opportunities. Alice has uh, business experience, and his, he's also had experience in hand logging and beach combing and construction. He's First Nations um, person. He uh, was a full-time taxi boat operator until the Hesla Nation Council asked him to be uh, a first-time counselor. And he took that position for eight years, and then he was elected chief counselor of the Hesla Nation. Um, and in 2012, he was appointed chair of the Aboriginal Business Investment Council. And he's had awards, the Diamond Jubilee and the Order of BC. And his, he wants more voices at the table that are grassroots. He wants to hear what the people have to say that uh, pay the taxes and and that um, are most affected by the decisions that the politicians make. And I, I know that we had a couple of interviews um, with other people running, and they have that attitude. They don't really want a politician. They want a leader. And um, And I think maybe that's what we need to do is to have people who have life experience. Like Stan said, he's uh, graduated from the University of Life. Um, Alice was born and raised in Kitimat, and uh, his life was up close and personal um, in experiencing and witnessing um, life at, uh, it's toughest. He wants uh, um, he wants to talk about resource development as not um, relying on that as the way to provide jobs or employment um, or a way out of poverty. He thinks that we need to breathe life into the reconciliation and that we are not living up to our potential in British Columbia. He feels that we need a new style of leadership and that we need real consultation and collaboration versus backroom deals and boardroom deals. Uh, Alice has seen the impact of addictions, crime, homelessness, and broken communities. On, on people, on citizens. 
and and so he says we don't need more government he believes in people not programs he opposes cancel culture and he wants to bring people together not divide and so those are the research that I did on him and we're really surprised that he's not phoning in because he's always been available to uh, to people and uh, it's a shame that he's not calling in today we've had uh, many people who are running for leadership and he sounds like somebody who really knows what it's like to uh, to struggle and to be successful and I think that's the most important thing that we can do is um, is to do that um, I wonder if you shouldn't call our next guest I can do that and see if, if they're ready to come on and that's Val Litwin Yep. and give him a call I will do that um, do you think we should take a break, short break right now and and uh, and then come back after you've phoned? Uh, no. It would be nice if we could, because I don't have really a lot to say right now. Well, we've only got the one break this. Mm-hmm. Well, we could take it twice. Uh, that's easier said than done, dear. Oh, all right. <laughs> Uh, okay, so what did we talk about while you're phoning? Um, well, what about what the people want? Well, I don't really know what the people want. I think a lot of people want to be heard, and we need somebody who will listen to what the people want. Oh, yeah, I there you are. I don't know what the people Reg want. Reg will sit in with you. I know what I want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What do you want? <laughs> well, I need to fill her in her while um, uh, Judy makes a phone call to Val. Okay. And Who? Val Litwin. Litwin. Yes, oh. he's uh, the only person that hasn't isn't coming on. Well, for for uh, is uh, Michael Michael Lee. Michael Lee. He he's kind of backed out, and I don't know what happened with Alice. So what do you think that we can share with people that they well, don't? We, we've got a, a media release today from uh, CN Center. There's a new show coming to town. It's the it's uh, Celtic Illusion. Oh. So it's a combination of Irish dance and magic. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that's a good so that's combination. A little different. Yeah. And well, and, uh, the Irish are ma- magic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's scheduled for April the second at CN Center. Uh, oh, how much fun is that? Tickets go on sale this Friday. I mean, the Irish just went out and chased the the Russians off their fishing area. Okay. <laughs> there was a bit of magic oh, yeah, there. Good, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but a bit of magic there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so that's good news. Bad news is downtown Prince George not mm-hmm. doing a uh, winter fest. Right. So yeah. Second year in a row, they're they're not going to be doing that because of uh, lack of funding and, of course, with the COVID restrictions and just too many things up in the air. So we'll have to wait again uh, for next year mm-hmm. for another winter fest. And that was kind of cool. I think uh, the four years they had it. Uh, you know, turning downtown into kind of a festival kind of a situation with 
all sorts of different things to see and do. Yes. So, fingers crossed, that'll go ahead. I hope year. so, yeah. We, we certainly got winter back again, so... Yeah, it's pretty darn pretty cold. cold out and then we're supposed to get some snow and then some rain and... <laughs> I've been hiding out in the house and I walked out today. I didn't even know it was that cold. Yeah. Uh, I was like, what, what happened? Well, the, the wind changed. <laughs> All in the sun shining. Yeah, yeah. That north wind that cuts through. Oh boy. So, yeah. yeah uh, other bad news, the Northern BC Home and Garden Show. Oh yes. Not going ahead. Oh. Now that was supposed to go uh, April 22nd to 24th, but with uh, people needing to uh, commit to booths and all that ahead of time, it's going to cut it too close if things start to open up. It's just too late to to hold on and, and try for it, I guess. Oh, I, so again, they'll try again next year. Yeah. I, when I was uh, checking out at uh, Walmart, there was a woman behind me with just a little basket, and it was full of seeds. Oh, yeah. And and the checkout, uh, the clerk said, are you planting already? And she said, well, part of this is for my family, and yes, we're going to start the seeds now. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean... I don't even think it's winter yet, and and, and she's already thinking it's spring. Yeah, and uh, I think it's too early to start. Now. And well, I mean, I I would say that she knows what she's doing, and I don't know what plants that she's planting. Well, you know? well, some some of the more serious gardeners actually start their seeds inside. Yeah, and that's then they, right. They come out to the garden, right? So you already, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, they've already got a head start before uh, before you get them South into the garden. Alice is here. Yeah, yeah. Sharon, we've got Alice on the line. Oh, hi, hi, Alice. We've been waiting for you. Are you there? Should be. Alice. Hello, Alice. <sighs> Hello? Hi, Hi, Alice. Yeah, sorry for that. I'm, it was in for the wrong time in my calendar. Oh, dear. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, that's probably my fault because I had to change it. Anyway, we've got uh, 15 minutes, which is not what we want. But I did um, go over some of the notes that I uh, had uh, read about you uh, being born in... Uh, uh, Kitimat, which I've never been to and I've heard wonderful things about, and that you've seen life up close and personal. Um, and so, Alice, why on earth did you put your name forward to be? <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's a good way of putting it. <laughs> well, that's me, because I think, oh my goodness, you're, you know, you're putting your, yourself in the bullseye. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, really why I did it was because, uh, like always, I'm really concerned about the future of, uh, of where we're heading. Yes. It's what I did. That's why I did LNG in Kitimat. That's why I did the forestry. Right. That's why I did the mining. And now I see it at a provincial level. Uh, investment doesn't want to come here. We don't want to think about forestry. We don't want to think about mining. Yes. We don't want to think about LNG. But where is that going to leave our young people? Where is it going to leave our families and our communities? And our people just want to make a living, yes. a good, honest living, so they can buy their houses. It's, that's really why I did it. Okay. And uh, the other part of that is what I think, because I'm a senior, 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 and I um, I think about uh, how we have to uh, learn to adjust 
to not using coal and um, using uh, alternative energies and how I think we need to encourage the universities and colleges to offer courses for our young folks so that they can work in that area. Oh, without a doubt. And uh, you know what? That transition is going to happen with the help of the, the bright young minds that are actually being uh, going through our universities today, but it can't happen overnight. No. Right? And if you look at what Europe is going through, yes, uh, they made they made a political decision to ex- exactly that. Now they're suffering through the, one of the coldest winters on record, and their energy prices are going through the roof. Yes. And now they're reliant on Russia, <sighs> and they, they're turning off the taps any time they want, and it's actually a... At the end of the day, this is why I always say I'll, I'll make the, the strong environmental decisions. I'll make the strong economic decisions, but I will not forget people. The people have got to be at the center of all those types of decisions. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I never quite know why we import oil. You know, um, we have so much oil here. Why are we importing it? Um, we export it. But uh, why aren't we using our own, um, you know, our own valuable uh, um, opportunities? Well, you know, I asked that same question. And when you think about ONG, yeah. uh, we were successful in, in getting one project out of 18 projects approved in B.C. and exported to Asia. But when people think about all those other 18 projects that got shut down, the LNG just got shipped to the United States. Yep. And the United States shipped the LNG to Asia. Yeah, It doesn't make any sense. And even in that respect, I've always been talking about how our remote communities have to stop burning diesel to generate electricity. Yeah. And as a transition fuel, they should be burning LNG. Yes. But yep. that's falling on deaf ears. A lot of the stuff I see around me just doesn't make sense. So I'm with you. I'm with you on that one. Well, I think, you know, like I'm an environmentalist, but I also have to drive to work. I also have to heat my home. And and uh, I also think that Norway is a good example of, of following because we're a rich um, province, we're a rich country, and shouldn't we be like a good farmer and just selling what we don't need? Well, you, you think about those countries over there that have actually captured uh, the, the possibility of geothermal in a big way. Yes. Here in, here in B.C., it's easier to get a permit to explore for natural gas than it is or permit for geothermal. That's nuts. <laughs> that is absolutely crazy. Yeah. And this is this is part of the legislation. It's got a flow from legislation, but where what people don't understand is that a lot of the legislation that's been flowing for the last four years comes from politics. Yes. It doesn't come from what what makes sense or what's good for the world or what's good for BC. That's ultimately what I want to change. Yes. Yeah, well, I think that you're a person of, of the earth and, and kind of grassroots guy who's learned, um, like I... Uh, when I was in court one time, they said, why is she an expert witness? And the judge said, tell them, Sharon, what's your education? And I said, uh, University of Life. <laughs> and, and, yeah, and, and I went to college and I went to university, but I was in my 50s when I did that. And, and you have to experience life to learn. Um, and I, I like what you say about uh, we don't need more government. Yeah, and I, I, that, that comes from actually the Indian Act. Yes. And any, any First Nation leader would tell you, when you're living under the thumb of government under the Indian Act, that is the worst place to be. You become dependent. Yes. And then, then you think about, not, what, not, not about what is possible, but what am I allowed to do? Yep. 
And I, that's where I get my ideas from government from. Well, you know, I hate to say this, but without uh, uh, Indigenous people, um, how would we fill our prisons and uh, where would we uh, have our attics? And um, I worked in the field for 40 years. And our our prison here in Prince George is like 90-some-odd percent of, of Indigenous people who are more, um, their crime would have been uh, for their addictions. Yeah, and, and, that, and that, that's a problem all across Canada. Yes, it is. Yeah. Right? And, but, but what I've seen in action, uh, you know, one of, the be- one of the best cures for that, the best solutions, is actually giving them the, the ability to actually live out their own lives in terms of getting a really good career yep. or a really good job. Yep. Right? First of all, you have to help them um, feel safe because with, all the people, all the people I've worked with um, that are uh, drug addicted are post traumatic stress disorder, and uh, we first of all have to get them to to learn that what happened to them isn't isn't who they are. Um, right. And you know the uh, the liberals finished it off the socred started it the ndp got into it and then the liberals with campbell and clark closed down all of the services that we had um for people with addictions and mental health issues especially um you know the crease clinic and and uh, the riverview and those places were all shut down where did those people go Oh, I don't know. I was actually too consumed with uh, what I was doing prior, right up to 2017. Yeah. With just the region. I, 2017 was my first step into provincial politics. Oh. And, and like everything else, I was just, I, I was actually oblivious to everything going on, except for the partnership we did with the BC Liberals on uh, protocols and environment and LG and forestry. Yeah. But uh, I, I think the experience on the ground is actually what I'm going to, I want to take into the, the BC government yeah. actually helped address some of these issues that we're facing all across BC. Well, I think a person should ask the frontline workers, um, you know, what what is needed, and and maybe ask the people who, because I talk to the people that are on the street and and what they what they need, and uh, um, you know what they need is a safe place to sleep. They say they sleep during the day because it's not safe at night. Yeah. And, yeah, and you know, and the thing about it is, that, like, even before I became an MLA, you know, I'd, I'd feel okay walking down uh, Hastings or the streets of Prince George or Terrace. Yeah. Because all, all those people I knew, I knew them personally. Yes, yes. And so we were talking about them. It's, it's, not a, it's not a clear answer in terms of, and what we put, put in place so far, it's not going to address it if you talk to the people like the frontline workers or the SNP. Yeah. And there's different perspectives on what's working and what's not. And so I'd, I agree. We got to get down to those people and talk to them and ask them well, what the solution is. Yes, and and I mean, um, the police aren't aren't social workers. The police aren't drug and alcohol and mental health workers. The police are there to stop crime. And so, when are we? Because when I first came to Prince George, we had a psychiatric nurse who was walked the streets and talked to people, and we had a detox called Nachaco Detox. We had a treatment center called Nachaco Treatment Center. So that psychiatric nurse had some place to take these folks when they were ready to, to go in and, and clean up. The police have no place to take them. 
Yeah, and I, I talked to RCP years ago, and one, one of the officers mentioned to me that said they're utilized to actually go into the hospitals to hold down a, a patient yep. so they can give them a needle. Yeah. And and they were told, look, that's not my job. I was never trained to do this. That's so, right. You know, our, ours is about law enforcement and breaking the people that break the law. So it's, they're in a tough spot. That's why I don't really agree with all the, the bashing that goes towards police officers. They're stuck in the middle. Yeah, they are. And, and we need to be grateful that we have them. And uh, um, we need, it's not their job to do the mental health and addictions work. And why are they forced to do that? And why are the jails forced to take those folks in when there should be a treatment program for them? And uh, there was one called Alouette River Unit that was down in uh, uh, Golden Ears Park. And and uh, it was for people who committed crimes um, under the influence. Yeah, and, and I've, I've actually toured Hastings Street a number of times. And the last time I went down there, uh, the RSMP toured me around and showed me how the community is getting involved. Yeah. And I was actually surprised at the amount of groups out there. There's church groups and volunteer groups, yep. community members, and they were all trying to help the people as well as cleaning up the neighborhood in terms of needles. And so I, I try to take that model back to, to terrorists. Yes. And say there's something here, if we can pick and choose uh, what programs might fit terrorists. Yes. So th- there's already programs in place where the community is actually, you know, coming up to the front. Well, they've had to, but, yeah. yeah but, but I think we ought to expose that more. we got to show the world. At, at least we're trying. Right? Yeah. Well, I, I like the, I, the other thing you said about uh, BC not living up to um, our potential. And, I mean, there is so much potential in British Columbia. That's why so many of us have moved here. Oh, without a doubt. And, in fact, I've actually reviewed many proposals for research development, but also for value-added. Yes. I understand Prince George uh, had the, the proposal for a plastics plant there coming off the LNG pipeline. Yep. And, and my point was, great, that means that we don't have to buy plastic products for our cars or our airplanes here in Canada. Mm-hmm. From overseas, we can actually manufacture here, mm-hmm. create the good jobs, but actually with high environmental standards, but actually ship out that value-added product to the rest of the world. Yeah. It actually made sense to me. Yeah. So we need that political push, and we need the government support on that kind of initiative. Yeah, yeah. there was a big, big pushback here by the neighborhood. And and uh, um, they were really worried about uh, the effects uh, of the um, the plant spewing out poison. Uh, you talk about carb- carbon capture, don't you? About a lot. Yeah. But really, what I've been talking about is the things I've seen uh, firsthand. But I'm also a lot more people are talking to me about some of the the, the new stuff that they're actually creating mm-hmm. in terms of carbon capture. It's quite exciting. And yes. the last one I went to see was, look, we not only can we capture carbon, we also could create a, a market for the carbon that we capture. Mm-hmm. And we can actually we, we can actually uh, export this uh, expertise to other jurisdictions around the world, like China and India and the United States and European Union. You know, these are the biggest uh, carbon emitters in the world. Yes. Yeah, right? they are. Yeah. And I, I think... Uh, the other thing that is important that you bring with you is being in, uh, an indigenous person. I think that voice hasn't been heard enough. Um, and it would be nice to get out from under the act, wouldn't it? And not be under the thumb of the government and everything that you uh, decide to do. Uh, well, well, we we did in Kitimat. We did that. We yeah. did precisely that. The Indian Act is still there, of course, but it's 
it's so relevant. It doesn't mean anything today's day and age. No. Uh, my my thought was really for our community members to be, be independent. Yes. And that's what we that's what we achieved. Yeah, wonderful. And I I think you know I was thinking about our uh, when I was interviewing all of you folks that are running for this uh, position. I started looking at our our uh, system. You know, it's based on a British system that's over 800 years old. Uh, I mean, really, Alice, don't you think we should tweak it a little bit? Well, you know, the the, the fundamental principles of uh, the Westminster model, that's what you're talking about, the yep. Westminster model. Yep. The fundamental principles behind it, I like it. Yep. Because you have a government that is actually exposed to transparency and accountability meaning the official opposition is there to question and criticize the government on behalf of the people. I like that. Yep. I don't like the idea of a government just, you know, doing whatever they want with no with no debate, no with breaks. no discussion. Yeah. And that's, that's the fundamental part I like about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, the part I didn't like is that uh, women weren't allowed uh, into uh, politics into university oh, back in the day yeah. yeah yeah and i and that's what i'm thinking about the misogynist attitude of 800 years ago is it still carrying on <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's, it's getting better right I mean, yeah it some is the, some of the mlas that i've depended on for for the expertise were actually uh, uh people like tracy reddy's for example yes yes brilliant lady and she, she's got a, a mind for numbers and i don't yeah. and so she taught me a lot yeah, yeah. You know, the important part about being in a leadership is is about hi- hiring people um, or bringing people around you that are smarter than you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> I resemble that remark, I guess. <laughs> well, I mean, I've had to. Um, I ran. I ran a shelter and uh, for many, many years, and I needed people around me that had. Um, brilliance in certain areas that I was sure lacking. Yeah. Anyway, I wish you the best of luck. I'm sorry that we got uh, mixed up on our times, Alice. Um, I would probably like to talk to you more. Uh, so maybe I'll try to set up another time for us to to have another chat. Okay, we'll do. And that, that was entirely my fault. They got put in my calendar wrong. Oh, that's all right. All the best of luck, and thank you for giving us this time. And um, I really like your ideas. Thank you, Alice. Thank you. Have a good day. Thank you. We'll just take a short break, and we'll be back with our next guest. Hi, this is The Wolfman. Few entertainment genres have captured our imagination and been as successful as the good old-fashioned musical. From their vaudevillian roots to today's blockbusters, musicals have provided generations with a stream of memorable productions, show-stopping performances, and larger-than-life personalities. Join me for a unique adventure as we trip the light fantastic across more than a century of musical theater, from Broadway to the West End and all points in between. On with the show, Sunday afternoons at 2, only on Boomer Radio 93. The National Greening Program, run by Tree Canada, is dedicated to planting seedling trees across Canada in BC, the Prairies, Ontario, Quebec, and the Atlantic. They prioritize planting on indigenous and public lands and planting areas of natural and human-caused disturbance. The trees they plant help filter the air and water and sequester carbon, among other positive impacts. To learn more or get involved, go to treecanada.ca. Yeah. 
Sometimes we create change. Sometimes change happens to us. Vantage Point's Leading and Managing Change is a half-day workshop where you'll explore the human dynamics involved in change. Board members, executive directors, and senior leaders of not-for-profit organizations will learn how to effectively lead their team through a change. Registration and full details are available through the events link at thevantagepoint.ca. Leading and Managing Change, Thursday, February 17th, from 1 to 4 through Vantage Point, transforming not-for-profit leadership. Prince George five-day forecast from Environment Canada for today's sunny, wind from the north of 20K, a high of minus 13 with a wind chill of minus 18. Tonight clear, wind up to 15, a low of minus 23. On Wednesday, cloudy, snow beginning in the morning, wind from the south of 20, a high of minus 10 with a morning wind chill to minus 31. Snow is the outlook for Thursday, a low of minus 7, a high of 0. Friday, periods of rain, a low of 1, a high of 3. And cloudy on Saturday with low of minus 2 and a high of 5. The long-range forecast for Sunday and Monday, cloudy each day with lows around minus 5 and highs near 2. Brought to you in part by Riverbend Manor, you're listening to Senior Moments on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Okay, Sharon, we're back on, and our next guest is on the line. And our next guest is Val Litwin. And Val, um, you've also put your name in the hat for the leadership race and I always ask the same question, what on earth made you do that? <laughs> yeah, a terrific question. Well, hey, it's, it's great to be here. And gosh, we were speaking a couple of months ago, time flies. It's been yeah. such a long race, but here we are just a few days from the finish line. Yes. Incredible. How's it been going? Um, it's been going great. I mean, to answer your question, I'm, I'm in this race because I love BC. And yeah. I am of the belief that we can be playing a much better, much more strategic long game in this province. Mm-hmm. Um, as you know, I was the former CEO of the BC Chamber of Commerce, so yep. I have spent my time traveling the province, walking the main streets, talking to local business owners, finding out what's keeping them up at night, yeah. and taking those concerns to Victoria and Ottawa, and I want to continue this work. Um, for me, my whole career, I've been where business people and community meet. Mm-hmm. So it's been the honor of my life to run in this race. And I think um, it's also time for the BC Liberal Party to embrace a new direction and the next generation. And so this is an opportunity for me to lead that conversation in the party in this race. Well, and I was surprised that uh, to read that 61% of BC's population is under the age of 40. You know, that is... Like, holy moly, um, I'm glad that it's not over the age of 80. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's an important demographic. It uh, is. Figure, but you know, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that this party in the future of BC doesn't belong to everyone. But I think when you look at, um, that, that data point through the lens of where are we losing and where do we need to change our game? Well, we're losing with young people in urban jurisdictions. Mm-hmm. And that that's where the B.C. Liberal Party needs to pick up the pace. And so what does that mean? I mean, what do we do with that? 61% of the population is under the age of 40 in B.C. Well, what we do with it is we tap into what the next generation British Columbians are talking about, what their, what their dreams are about, where they see the challenges and obstacles. And I mean, for... For that demographic especially, although affordability impacts everyone in B.C., we've got a whole generation of young people, um, you know, early-stage career or mm-hmm. maybe now mid-stage young families mm-hmm. who are wondering if, how they can afford to make a future and make a life here. Yeah. And so we have to become the party that also speaks now to affordability yes. and wage growth 
and job opportunities for these people. So they want to stay here and build a life here. So that, for me, is why that data point um, is so important to understand. Well, I think it's important to re- be realistic about um, you know, over half our population is just starting out, and um, as you say, and we have to, we can't live the way we lived. You know, we can't have the wood burning stoves. We can't be uh, taking all the timber out of there. We have to get rid of plastic. What are we going to put in the place of all of those things? We need to look at um, alternative energy. And uh, I was just talking to Alice uh, Ross um, before you, and he was saying that it's harder to get a permit for geothermal than it is for mines. And and geothermal is one of the ways that we have to look at going. That, that's right. Absolutely. And, you know, the next generation, I mean, everyone's concerned about climate. But let's face it, young people are very concerned about human accelerated climate change because mm-hmm. younger people are going to be living with the long-term consequences of that. So the B.C. Liberal Party has the opportunity to become... Uh, you know, an evidence-based middle track party, still a big tent, yeah. but that continues to work on a climate agenda that obviously doesn't kill business, but still sets meaningful targets to, um, you know, do better with our emissions. And frankly, now in the wake of all these natural disasters, get mm-hmm. better about adaptation and mitigation. Mm-hmm. And I think about the BC Liberal Party. Heck, we were the party that introduced the world's first revenue-neutral carbon tax. We were climate leaders. Yep. And so we have the opportunity to reclaim that mantle and lead again. And, you know, that would be, again, one of the issues that I think is keeping a lot of young people up at night. Yeah, and you have a, a four-pillar plan. Can we talk a little bit about that? Yeah, of course. Yeah, no, I'm I'm honored. Uh, I'm honored. You looked through the website, <laughs> and and you're looking you're looking at that four pillar plan. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, we've um, I've been talking about uh, you know, look, my background. I'm I'm an entrepreneur. Yeah. I I started and grew and eventually sold a, a global franchise business. I was then the vice president of one of Canada's largest home health care companies, Nurse Next Door. Yes. And then I spent the last 10 years leading um, local chambers of commerce. And then more recently, I was the CEO of the BC Chamber, which is, you know, BC's biggest and broadest business network. Mm-hmm. But the reason I'm sharing that with you and your listeners is I have a history and a track record of either building companies from scratch or reinvigorating old brands mm-hmm. like the BC Chamber of Commerce and turning them into fighting form, modern, cutting-edge organizations again. Mm-hmm. And when I look at the BC Liberal Party, um, I see opportunity for us to become a modern, not just a modern political party, but a modern force that is doing business in every category at an A triple plus level. And so my, my four pillar plan is, is built around brand, people, tools, and vision. Mm-hmm. And it's about how do we modernize and become current and competitive in all these different ways. Mm-hmm. So one example, because I, you know, I don't want to bore people with a long speech about my four pillar plan, but let me, let me give you one example. You know, tools, which is the third pillar of my plan. Hey, I run some of Canada's biggest and most successful franchise companies. Well, political parties should be operating like franchise companies because you've got the mothership at the top and you've got all these, you know, hardworking local riding associations at the local level. Right. Right. Well, 
you know, you're as a political party, you are nowhere without your grassroots. That's right. But as a as a party, we haven't kept pace with. <clears throat> the modern technology and the modern way of doing business around fundraising, around recruiting, around Mm -hmm. training people, Mm -hmm. around communicating compelling messages. So what I'm saying to people on my four pillar plan is, look, I've done this. I've reinvented and reinvigorated organizations. We're going to do the same with this party. And one of the experiences I'll bring is my experience in the franchise world to turn us into a modern fighting form um, organization that knows how to win at the local level. And we can can have that, and we can have our forest and our 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 um, time away fishing and hunting and all that. But um, we still need to be at, at the front line in uh, uh, keeping up with the the changes and helping uh, keep our climate. You know, uh, stop using these fossil fuels and start using other way I was thinking about uh the farmers and how they all had a windmill right. and um when I was a kid you'd and they that windmill would be pumping water for the animals and so there's an old idea that they're now using to make electricity with those big huge windmills and so if we look at things that they were using, I mean, electric cars were invented 100 years ago. And when they discovered gasoline, they decided, oh, let's use that instead of electrical electric cars. So here we're now using electric cars again. And if we look back at some of the things that were working and then put aside because of greed or, or lack of uh, vision, uh, we could develop those things. Like everybody had a a, a little shed or a, a, a hole in the ground uh, for geothermal during the winter to keep their their um, food in. Right. Yeah. I mean, hey, what goes around comes around, yeah. doesn't it? And and you know, I th- this is a great opportunity to say for people to hear this because you know I've been talking about modernizing the party and mm-hmm. stepping into the future but for me it is not an either or conversation mm-hmm. we're going to do all of this right like right. when i look at our our primary sectors our resource sectors here in bc i mean they, they are a part of our future yes frankly because they're some of the most innovative sectors we have in the province right mm-hmm. and as the former bc chamber ceo i spent all my all my time Standing up for the resource sector, standing up for these investments in massive infrastructure and resource uh, projects all over BC. Mm-hmm. But we're going to continue to do them uh, in the most innovative fashion where we're driving the opportunity to become more productive um, and drive great, you know, well-paying jobs for people in this province. Mm-hmm. And we're going to keep doing that as we uh, usher in new, exciting, huge growth opportunity sectors for us too in BC, like the tech sector. And by the way, I mean, I think I do think of the tech sector more as a as a horizontal, not a vertical. I mean, yeah. show me a company now that isn't a tech company in some way, shape, or form. But the point is, my the future of my innovative VC. Um, there's room for everyone to succeed, right? It includes all regions, all sectors, all peoples. Because we have, in particular in BC, and I, I know I'm talking to an audience that gets this, right? Mm-hmm. But I always say this, especially in, in the cities in the southern province, we do everything here at 
the lowest carbon footprint compared to anywhere else on planet Earth because of our hydroelectric um, legacy that we have here, powering everything that we do. Mm-hmm. And so we would be foolish to squander that opportunity to produce some of the lowest carbon footprint uh, materials on planet Earth. And when I think about our opportunity in the future, heck, I look at the European Union. They've just said, if you've got a high carbon product, we ain't buying yeah. in the future. Yeah. Well, guess what? That means BC should be the seller of choice for Europe. Yes. So let's let's not squander the opportunity we have here, folks. Um, yes, we've done a lot of things here for a long time in BC. Let's keep doing them. Let's keep doing them better. Let's do them cleaner. Yeah. Let's keep driving jobs and revenues. But let's also now um, embrace these emerging opportunities as well. Well, you know, our university is number one university, I don't know, in the world or... But it, it's um, a green university, and uh, I think that's wonderful. The other thing, we've got an organization called EAT, and it, it means everyone around the table. And they're looking at food um, safety, security, food security. And when I uh, talk to them, I think about a building like the size of Walmart being a geothermal greenhouse so that we can grow our own food in each city and just think of the jobs that we could give to seniors and to challenged people in working in a greenhouse and uh, growing our own food and not having to import food. I don't know why we import oil when we have our own oil. I don't know you know um, when I think about our diet when I was a kid um, we didn't have uh, um, pears and peaches in the winter and pineapples. Um, we only had whatever we grew. Oranges and apples. Yeah, yeah. we didn't have oranges. We had apples mm-hmm. and plum, plums and, and pears. But we need to, st- I don't know, because I'm the age I am, I look back and see what worked for us. Why can't it work now? And why can't we have a monster greenhouse in every city? Well, you know, I, this is a great, this is another great example and conversation. I mean, look at what, um, you know, under the leadership of um, uh, Chief Charlene Gale in Fort Nelson uh, First Nations, yep. right, in, yep. in the Northeast. Their, their massive and very exciting vision for the, the Clark Lake Geothermal Project, as, as far as I understand it, I spoken with that community in a couple of months now, but um, I have heard as a part of their vision is is to pursue food security, right, in the yes. Northeast, um, and to tap into some of that geothermal energy and build some greenhouses and create jobs and healthy, nutritious food. I mean, everything you're saying is bang on. Yeah. And uh, I think especially to, and this fits into the larger conversation I'm saying, you know, we have to, all the old approaches to how we used to do things have to be questioned and challenged now. Yes. Not not challenged simply because they were yesterday's way of doing things, but challenged because the world has changed and we need new solutions now. Yes. And when we when you talk about food security, my, my goodness, all the roads and bridges and railroads that have been washed out because of these climate disasters, yes. all of a sudden we realized how vulnerable we are. Yep. And... Vancouver Island, take Vancouver Island as an example, they import 90% of their food, and yet they're one of the most productive agricultural regions in B.C. So we need to, you know, we've never talked about this before. No. 
well, sorry, we have. Many people have been talking about food security for years, but it hasn't been at the level of conversation that it is now, and I think that's exciting. Yes. And I also think it's smart because the way we have solved um, issues in the past, we have to think different. We have to think mm-hmm. about resilience now. We have mm-hmm. to think about how do we adapt to mm-hmm. this new world that is changing in front of our eyes. And mm-hmm. that is just one of the issues I'm, I'm saying as a BC Liberal Party. Let's start talking about food security. Let's become a modern party that starts to talk about some of the things that maybe we haven't talked about before but are now very important to people and communities. Yeah, and stop. Let's stop. Um, let's stop importing what we can do ourselves. You know, you think in Norway, what an example of self sufficiency and independence that they have. And I have no idea why we import oil. Um, and I've thought about that over and over and asked that question. And we have so many resources that we can use. Why are we? Well, it's about money. That's one thing. But uh, the other thing is, uh, doesn't anybody want to be self-sufficient? Yeah, I, I think that conversation and the public awareness around the importance of becoming self-sufficient, it, it, I think we're seeing new energy and excitement around that mm-hmm. conversation. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, certainly look at BC, right? We've had a vision to become energy independent for ages with the building of, of some of these massive hydroelectric projects that go all the way back to WAC Bennett. I mean, yeah. we've, we've had people in in this province and in the tradition of this party who have been thinking, have been long-term thinkers and have been thinking about some of these things. Mm-hmm. But, but the energy independence now, the food security, the self-sufficiency uh, has to become even more localized now, I would argue, oh, given, well, the world, yeah. given the world we're stepping into. Well, I live beside a river. Wouldn't I ever love to be able to make my own electricity <laughs> and, and have a... Um and have a windmill to pump that uh, water into my home and uh, stop relying on uh, BC Hydro and all the rest of it. I would love to. I'm, uh, I absolutely am too old to do this, but I can suggest it for other people. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, this is, this is what people are saying and thinking. I mean, gosh, I, I live in... Uh Fort Moody right now, so I'm, you know, in, a, in the southern sort of urban part of the province at this point, anyway, in my life, grew up on Vancouver Island. Yeah. But I'll tell you, I walk around my neighborhood now in Fort Moody and uh, when I was living in East Vancouver, and there are more and more people now turning their their sort of um, curb appeal front flower gardens yes. into productive vegetable gardens now all over the place. Yeah. And yeah. so I'm seeing it in people's front yards that there's a shifting mindset around how we have to become more self-sufficient. Um, you know, people are thinking more about where their food comes from. Yeah. Uh, and again, I, I only use these as, as examples to say to the party and the membership, we can't keep being the same party. No. Right? Like the BC Liberal Party has been the pro-business pro-economy party for years and that's important and we still need that dna to stay in the party yeah but if you think you're a political party that cannot talk about people in communities and still get elected you got another thing yeah, coming do. yeah this, this party has to start talking about people communities some of the things we've been talking about in the show today yeah as we still set up robust thriving inclusive fair economies for people because the world has changed, and, and a perfect example of this is I was in Victoria a couple of months ago chatting with um, a group of developers, and, you know, you walk into a room like that and think, yeah, we're going to be talking about business, we're going to be talking about taxes, we're going to be talking about zoning, mm-hmm. because we need to build more homes in this province. 
But, you know, the number one issue top of mind for them was mental health and the poison drug crisis because right now, 50% of the overdoses that are happening in B.C. are coming out of the construction sector. Oh, dear. And And so... a sector that used to only care about, um, of co- and of course they care about running their business and, and making money and building great quality product, but they are talking more than ever before about mental health supports and interventions, uh, health benefits, and and so all responsible employers and sectors should. But it, but the reason I mention that example is we're seeing the melting together of all these issues and policy priorities Mm -hmm. that used to be separate in different silos, right? Mm -hmm. Like mental health Mm -hmm. is over here. Mm -hmm. The construction sector is over here. No, no, no. No, they're not. They're continuous and they're connected now. And so the BC Liberal Liberal Party has the opportunity to become the party that speaks to that coming together and how our, our, our society is changing. Yeah, and when you think about um, the, it was the Liberal Party that finally closed all Essendale and River, uh, Riverview and Creeks Clinic and that, where all the mental health and addiction people went. And there's nothing anymore. There's nothing here in Prince George. There's a few beds at the hospital. If you want to go to detox, you have to phone. And and so when a person says they want to quit, that's when you take them. The hospital says they have to be screened first. You can't do that with people who are addicts. You've got to take them when it, middle of the night, if they say. And and it's all going sideways. Um, I know that you want to leave a bit earlier, um, and I could go on and on about addictions and stuff because I worked in it. But you have something there, bcmindreader.com. What's bcmindreader.com? Yeah, that was just um, so a heck. I mean, I, I would love to have another call and talk about the poison drug crisis. Yeah, we need to. It, yeah. it is keeping me up at night, and I, I agree with much of what you said there. The bcmindreader.com platform, I can give a plug for the BC Chamber. I'm obviously no longer um, the yeah. CEO of the BC Chamber. There's a talented new leader there, Fiona Samalek, and she's doing an amazing job. Oh, good. The bcmindreader.com platform is... It was a first in Canada that the BC Chamber built, and it was designed to amplify the voices of the people in the grassroots okay. and uh, take their messages to Victoria and Ottawa. So, um, if you have uh, something that's keeping you up at night, if you got a business obstacle, you need the BC Chamber to cut some red tape. Yeah. Go to bcmindreader.com and and make sure your voice is heard. Well, that's really it. That's neat. Now we never heard about this. And so, thank heaven it was on your site, because we may not have even brought it up today. Yeah, no, well, I'm, I'm glad you got the plug in there. I mean, I'm, I'm obviously, you can imagine, I'm a fan of the BC Chamber Network. I think yes. everything um, they're doing is fabulous, and Fiona Samalek is an incredible leader. So, um, it's great that we could get the plug in for the BC Chamber. But yes, bcmindreader.com is, is changing the way um, local voices are heard. Yes, and so uh, people can go on your website to learn more about you. You have a wife and and two children, and your wife is a a nurse in a a very difficult pediatric intensive care nurse. That's really a hard job, and uh, she must be a very strong, kind person. Caring, yeah, my, my, my job, the job of politics is easy compared to what she does. Yeah. Yes, my, my partner, Joy, is incredible. She's a nurse. But mm-hmm. as you say, um, yes, anyone that was listening today, 
uh, can go to ValLitwin.ca to learn more. I, I hope I'll get your votes on Feb 3rd when the voting starts. You have to be a registered member of the BC Liberal Party. Yep. But I can't wait to come back and talk to you again when I win this race. <laughs> yes, and we need to talk about the uh, drug and uh, mental health issue uh, once you win so that I can be uh, your advisor. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, I'll look forward to that, and I really appreciate the opportunity to be on the show today. So thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you, Val, and good luck to you, and stay safe. And yeah, so, thank you. Um, and we'll, we'll keep tabs on you. I love it. Thank you so much. <laughs> Bye. Take care. Now, folks, uh, Michael Lee um, is the last person that we haven't interviewed and uh, um, I don't know if we'll get him on or not. I'm sure tried. And so you've met every candidate uh, that is putting their name forward. If you're a member of the Liberal Party, you can start to to vote on February 5th. And you can see that a lot of the the um, people who put their names forward are have a lot of the same uh, concerns. And so get involved. It's your, it's your province and, uh, and think about food security. We really need to do something so that we can make sure that we have food. When so when the highways wash out, we can still eat. And when the fires are, are burning, yeah. that we can, uh, still get people through. Um, most of our, I think most of our supplies come from Alberta, so they can come different directions. They don't have to go on Highway 1. Well, we're fortunate that way we've got several different highways coming into Prince George. Yeah. You know, more people are dying from, well, I don't know if that holds true right now, but they, in BC, more people were dying from op- opioid overdose than from, uh, COVID. And, uh, 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 you know, I agree with you. There is no services here for people that are addicted. And I don't care what anybody says. They've got a few beds at the hospital. They have a detox at the hospital that you have to phone in and uh, see if there's a bed for you where you should be able to go in there and have a bed and when you're ready to go in. And the people on the street are because, partially because of being brought in during the fires and not being given a ride back home. And the other part of that is having uh, Essendale, uh, Crease Clinic, River Riverview, um, and Woodlands, and the farm, all closed. They had 4,000 people in that environment with 2,300 staff. So where did the 4,000 people go? Yeah, we need a large clinic that people can be taken to any time in the 24-hour period. The police have no place to take them. Well, this is it. That's why we need... It's just incredible. We need a clinic or whatever it takes for them to go to. Yeah. And they'll be accepted like now, not oh, whenever I can get you in. Yeah. Well, we had Nachako Treatment Center that held 30-some-odd people. Yep. And the detox, you could go in any time, night or day. Mm-hmm. And that was all closed down. 
and uh, and I've been trying my best to get a treatment center going. We have an empty youth containment center. Yeah. And uh, anyhow, let's see if we can get uh, Michael Lee on for next week. And in the meantime, we'll say goodbye. We ask you to stay safe and stay warm and uh, have a good rest of the week. Senior Moment. Senior Moments is a co-production of 93.1 CFIS-FM and the Prince George Council of Seniors. Senior Moments is produced by Sharon Hearn with production assistance from A.J. Fair. Theme music is courtesy of Goff Brooks Music. Catch the rebroadcast of today's show tonight at 9 or replay past shows through the podcast at CFISFM.ca. You're listening to CFIS-FM Prince George, a not-for-profit community radio station broadcasting with 500 watts of power at 93.1 on the FM dial. CFIS-FM is owned